Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Like It is time once again for a meeting of the fake NFL playoff selection committee with Gojo, Golik, and Yahoo's Jason Fitz. Now through 12 weeks, here are the top teams in the NFL, as you can see. Now I'm just going to toss it to you guys and let you select who would be on top of your rankings for, again, the fake NFL playoff selection committee. Hey, I don't know why we have to throw the word fake no, in there. Because it's fake. It's not real. Why is it fake? Because it is fake. We're just it's real. concept. It's, it's fake. fake. We're, we're doing something, therefore it's real. All I mean, right. like, that has value to us. I mean, feels wow. like the fake thing's it, a little harsh. It is, it is a fake selection metaverse. committee. You cannot, cry, you cannot just say, uh, that's like me saying I'm the president of the United States. Just because I say it doesn't mean it's true. Congratulations. It's an honor oh, to meet yeah. you, Madam President. We're <laughs> happy know, we to have doing. you here on our show. It feels like you got more impress- more pressing business to we, attend to right now. Yeah, I gotta so go. I'm question we, your priorities, but... We would we would back you. We wouldn't distance ourselves from you, okay, Tepper? I mean, seriously. I'm not old enough to run for president, I'm just saying. So... Oh, wow. That is oh, terrible. Okay. That oh, is okay. okay. Well, speaking wow. of olds, Jason Fitz is with yeah. us here again. You can check him out over at Yahoo Sports and also on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends there. And, uh, yeah, this is Jason's baby from back in the day taking a look at the NFL through the lens of the college football playoff committee. And, Jason, we are, you know, you and I did our college football playoff ranking show on Twitter Spaces this last Tuesday, the penultimate round. And we got to talk through a lot of the same things for people in the NFL side of things that don't understand how it works. College football's got this wonderful human committee that takes a look at things like head-to-head win, strength of schedule, and the resume you've accomplished so far. Your offensive and defensive efficiencies, the eye test of what we've seen on the field, what you've got remaining, all these things factored into it, tied up into a little ball, and then trying to barf out a top four at the end of that entire thing to discuss the dance. So, uh, Jason, starting with you, who do we look at and say right now? Is there a consensus number one team in the NFL? Is it as simple as the Philadelphia Eagles have the best record and we put it aside? Because I saw yesterday ESPN's FPI had them ranked down at ninth. I believe according to DVOA right now, they're also ninth in DVOA after week 12. So is it as easy for you as Philadelphia has won the games even if they haven't looked great and they are the consensus number one team? Yeah, I think it is, but here's where it's funny. The one metric that you know we always talk about for the college football side is game control, and I think if there was a game control metric for the yeah. Eagles, it would not necessarily be a flattering metric. But I also they're ten and one, and you used to yell at me about this all the time. Like at some point, record has to matter, right? So I feel like that's where we are. Just because everybody else at this point has at least three losses, that's enough of a difference that I I still think Philly's clearly number one. Well, in the NFL record only matters right at least in college football you can still have the debate of four undefeated teams who you think is better one lost teams who you think is better or even are there one lost teams better than undefeated teams here it's by record and that's how you get ranked and that's how you know you you get seated in the playoffs so yeah while Philadelphia we keep saying hasn't looked like that championship team all they do is keep winning and that's all you need to do in the NFL because we've seen nine and seven teams at the end of the regular season when there were 16 games reach the world uh, or the, the Super Bowl. So it doesn't matter. Just get it done. And they're getting, they're finding ways. They've been, we saw down by 10 to Kansas City, down by Buffalo, uh, uh, to, by 10 to Buffalo, both at halftime and come back and win. So they're finding ways to win. The bottom line is who have they beaten in the last three weeks? Uh, you know, they've, they've taken care of their business. Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills. Like they've beaten yeah, the Cowboys. So, they've, they've beaten yeah. the murderers row in the last. The only thing yes. I'd say as far as concern, and I want to ask both you guys this, because I'd agree. Right now, I think based on body of work, based on what we just talked about there 
they have to be number one ranked in this based on how we judge it. The thing I wonder if anyone's worried about is what we saw happen with Minnesota last year. Philadelphia is 7-1 and one in one-score games this year, and that tends to be something that evens out over time. A record in close games, especially if they come down to the wire, is not always a great way to be predictive about what's to come, and we saw that crash and burn with the Minnesota Vikings famously last year, who set the NFL's all-time record for how they did in one-score games, and so I do want now and I think Jason it feels different with Philadelphia because we've seen them put the ball through the basket as soon as quickly as last year it's all the same parts on offense now defensively we can start to ask some questions because that group has not harassed the quarterback as well hasn't done a lot of things as well as they did during that Super Bowl run that they had last season but right now the underlying stuff in the one score games might be a little worrisome point differential all that stuff doesn't track the way a team that has this kind of record normally does yeah, because I think last year the Vikings were a mirage. This year the Eagles got some things they need to tweak, and there's a difference in that that you know nuance of that conversation. I think you're right about the defensive side of the ball, but again, we'll use a college football analogy. I've heard that a bunch about Georgia this year too, right? Georgia's defense hasn't quite gelled to get together the way the last couple of years have because the last couple of years have been fairly historic for them, right? Like, so I think there is this moment of a that'll come together throughout the course of it, but b the fact that the Eagles are the Eagles have been where they've been. You just sort of trust coach quarterback combo and, and I don't want to sleep on this let's also acknowledge that the Eagles have done this with two new coordinators which I think is you know look at the the sure. difference a coordinator makes in, right. in Buffalo right and so you think about coordinators on both sides of the ball what it means for Philly uh, even on the defensive side of the ball. I just think that's part of the adjustment. It feels like they're still tweaking things. I just think the concept that they have a problem is overblown when you're sitting at 10 and one and overall by I mean you're two <laughs> games better than anybody else in the NFL. I mean, I mean, listen, so consensus, we think they're number one. And really think about it. Their last three wins, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills. Now they play the 49ers, then the Cowboys again, and then the, the Seahawks. And we'll see how they do tonight uh, against the Cowboys. So the schedule is tough. They only have one loss. So they're number one. My number two, it's just tough for me to go further than Patrick Mahomes. Not to say mm-hmm. Kansas City. So it's Kansas City, but it's Patrick Mahomes. And while I still wonder at the wide receiver position, you know, you have Travis Kelsey, and then where are you going? Watson has been a guy now, Rasheed Rice early on. So who is that guy? They've had a lot of drops, and those don't just suddenly disappear, though you certainly can improve upon that. But it's Patrick Mahomes. And let's add in the fact, Mike, that that defense is balling this year that defense is absolutely balling so while a lot of times we talk about philly and san fran with the most complete teams you got to start throwing kansas city in there because of the way that 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 defense is playing Uh, i won't even say complete defensive led team right now they're waiting for the offense to catch up in terms of consistent production they kind of got their get right game this weekend jason fitz's beloved uh lifelong diehard raiders fandom got put to the test jason for someone who watched that i'm sure as intently as anybody though early deficit for the chiefs a two touchdown deficit and all of a sudden they were able to turn it on the offense has been trying to find traction all year what did you see and what do you think they might have found against that raiders team Okay, well, there's a couple of things. We knew that Kelsey, Kelsey always kills the Raiders. We knew that was going to happen. But I think the Rasheed Rice thing was a nice development. Uh, and part of that was the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders tackled so poorly in that game that Marcus Peters got cut, right? Like, let's just yeah, lay yeah. that out. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah. how bad it went. Uh, but part of that is, like, it felt like they found a little element with Rasheed. And, by the way, I thought their offensive line held up really well, too. So, Max Crosby playing on a bum knee still had one sack. Yeah. But it wasn't disruptive the way it usually is. I, I think Kansas City's offense – to that point, you know, if they can get Rasheed Rice comfortable, they become dynamic. Nobody on that that offensive side, they still had drop issues in that game. Here's my only challenge to Kansas, because I agree with you, and let me say this, I've been saying this on Yahoo all week. Like, we talk about the Chiefs like they're dead and like, you know, they have a problem. They were missing two of their best players in their week one loss. Patrick Mahomes had the flu in their next loss, and then they were one incomplete drop touchdown pass away from yeah. beating the Eagles. So they, they, you could make a compelling argument that the Chiefs obviously – even with all their failings, are playing like the best team in the league. The only problem is, I'll use the college football thing here, good losses versus great wins because the 49ers have blowout wins over quality opponents. And for me, that's the reason that I would put San Francisco at number two and Kansas City at three. It's it's not that like San Francisco has worse losses, and I'll acknowledge that. 
But San Francisco has gone out and kicked the snot out of really good teams, according to this committee, usually, right? So, like, you look at the way they beat Jacksonville, the way they beat the Cowboys. Like, they have beat the good teams convincingly, and they're playing convincingly again. So I personally would put San Francisco 2 and Kansas City 3. So I'm with Dad. I would probably put Kansas City at 2 just because Patrick Mahomes is lodged in my brain. But in terms of what you mentioned – San Francisco's got a real healthy argument, especially when they're healthy. Like, we've seen the difference in this team. And you could say it's wrong because when you've got this many All-Pros, the idea that just losing one or two of them should be as damning to the 49ers as it seemed to be. But, hey, them's the breaks, and now they're healthy. They got Debo and Trent Williams back. And defensively, since they added Chase Young... Uh, the results have been pretty staggering in terms of sack production during weeks 10 through 12, averaging five sacks per game. Now, you can look at the teams they played. It was the Jags, Bucks, and Seattle. So two playoff teams mixed in there in addition to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That defense has gotten added juice offensively they're number one in epa per play when you exclude garbage time from that so dad they've got about everything that you could want this is a truly dominant team and i wouldn't have a problem with them being in the two spot even if right now i would rank them third yeah i I would rank them third as well and i get what you're saying uh jason about the wins i mean they they smoked the cowboys though the cowboys are playing much better now than when uh, San Fran beat them 42 to 10. Then their three losses in a row to the Browns, to the Vikings, to the Bengals when they still had Joe Burrow. I, I would I would put San Francisco third and the fourth team we're going to get to at some point. I feel like I'm underselling a bit because of how good they're playing. But it's tough not to go with San Francisco next. I mean, they did have that three-game skid going on, but when they're healthy, and that's always a big question, uh, there may be no better balanced team offensively and defensively uh, than they are, uh, though there are a couple others as well. But what they're able to do, the Chase Young just has to be giddy every single day. He goes into facility to where he is right now, teamed up with his old buddy Nick Bosa. So I like them at three right now uh, pretty, pretty solidly, Jason. And they've got a chance for a very quality win this weekend on the road at Philadelphia, by the way, which is where we've always, I think part of this is also, we've talked about, there's something about trying to pick someone that's not going to embarrass you at the party. And I don't feel like San Francisco, because every year we've, every week we've tried to crown a team. They go out and get their ass whooped the next weekend. We're all like, who's even good in the NFL. I don't feel like that's going to happen for this 49ers team. I do worry a little bit about if it could happen to this Eagles team, who's been living close for a long time and defensively, is about to run into a juggernaut the number one offense in the nfl in terms of yards after catch by receivers brandon Ayuk uh has been sensational with brock purdy as his quarterback going back to the last 16 games that now brock's been the starter with him so jason i do worry about that a little bit but i don't worry about san francisco laying an egg on the road but this is also something you and i talk about a lot with the committee where all right, I'm not going to fight too hard for this because this one works itself out in a few days. Right. Like, if San yep. Francisco's yeah. at three, I'm like, yeah, we'll put him at three. I'll agree to that because let's be real. If they go out and do what they've done to good teams this weekend, they catapult up, right? So, like, it, it take, this one sort of takes care of itself. So, yeah, I can, I can, you know, with, with a little nod, uh, tip of the cap, I can go Eagles one, Chiefs two, 49ers three. I can agree with that. So, it's, so it seems for the for the fourth spot, it's going to be between, I would imagine, Baltimore and Dallas. And for me, yeah. I, I'm going with Baltimore. I mean, their defense is absolutely humming. We were talking about that with Cleveland possibly being able to make a run because their defense is right there with Baltimore's. I think there, there have been one and two. But there's such upheaval at the quarterback position for Cleveland. Could have their fourth starter if Flacco starts uh, this next game where Lamar Jackson has been healthy, been passing better, still very dangerous with his legs. So, Mike, I'm going Baltimore in the four slot at this point. I mean, you want to talk about defense, Dallas isn't far behind on any metric. Yards per game, third in the NFL. Passing yards per game, they're actually second ahead of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, Uh, No, and even uh, rush defense-wise, Baltimore's got them outclassed there, which has kind of been the Dallas problem for a while, but not by much. So if we're going to act like that's the biggest differentiator, and then on the other side, the Cowboys' offense seems to have figured something out since that San Francisco game. Now, we all want to wait and watch them do it. We know they've got the stretch coming up that's ultimately going to tell us, hey, how much of that homework that you've been doing actually applies when you've got to take a test, but... 
right now you could make a very compelling argument. Dak Prescott statistically has been the best quarterback in football this season in almost every meaningful way. I think I saw Mina Kimes post this the other day. Dak stat split so far this season. First in QBR versus man defense. First in QBR versus the blitz. Second in QBR under pressure. Second in QBR from the pocket. First in QBR outside the pocket. And he's been the number one quarterback on third down all season long. While this Ravens offense has shown flashes, certainly, Jason, but it seems far less consistent than its counterpart in Dallas. This is where it gets really complicated for me because to, the, to what you just mentioned, I believe today on a neutral field that if we had – the Cowboys taking on the Ravens. I believe not only would the Cowboys win that game, but I think Vegas would have them favored in that game on a neutral field. I think that that's a pretty fair statement. However, when you look at just, again, taking the college football metric of it, one of the rules of the committee that we joked about in the past is thou shalt not get blown out. And we did see the Cowboys get the snot kicked out of them by the 49ers. We haven't seen the Ravens have that. Their losses have been close games, weird games, and they have a blowout win over the Lions, who are over here, by the way, saying we belong in this conversation also, right? So, like, there's a little bit of the eye test portion of this of, like, it still sticks in my craw that when we saw the Cowboys play a really good football team, they got the you-know-what kicked out of them. So I think the Cowboys are better today. And everything you just mentioned, also, I think that, you know, a tip of the cap to the head coaching there because we've been very hard, very hard uh, over the course of the last several years on McCarthy, right? But there, it's not by accident that C.D. Lamb is blown up and it's not by accident that Dak is playing so well. Like, the offense is cooking and I think part of that's coaching too. So I think the Cowboys are a better football team, but I can't get that 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 loss out of my mind so like that's that's the split for me i put the ravens in because i haven't seen the Ra to your point i haven't seen the ravens get embarrassed this year i have seen the cowboys yeah. get embarrassed so does that does that mean we go is we seem to agree and mike i, I want to ask jason a college question it seems we're going philly kc san francisco baltimore of which it's going to change because Philly plays San Francisco. So uh, we, we know that's going to change. Just like Mike, every week we, we have done this, uh, somebody just disappoints and ends up dropping out. Jason, I got to ask you this, because Mike and I are so on opposite sides of this. So let's go to you as a deciding factor, as long as it, you're picking my side. So <clears throat> with the college playoffs, uh, the, the conference championship games coming up, I have said this, and Mike disagrees. I said if Alabama beats Georgia and only one, you know, one, if it's between that and Texas beats Oklahoma State and wins a Big 12, but only one of those teams gets into the Final Four, I say it's Alabama, even though Texas beat them head to head. Alabama will have beaten the committee's number one team in the country. So I think Alabama would be the team to get in. What say you? Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, look, the, Texas is going in in that situation. <laughs> Two reasons that Texas is going in. One, they just showed you that the, the value of a huge win isn't what we thought it would be because Michigan beat Ohio State, which is the best one we've seen all year. But that didn't vault Michigan to number one over Georgia, which would have been easy for the committee to do, knowing that the SEC championship game could make them flip that easily if they wanted to for Georgia. So I think that speaks to how they value wins. And then the other part of it is because Texas has been ahead of Alabama in every single, like I thought this was the week. I thought the iron bowl was the week to say, no, 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 they are playing. We're going to move them up. The fact that they didn't move them up to me means that they are still valuing that head to head Oklahoma state being ranked number 18 coming in this week still gives at least a, a resume tick on this. I like, I think if there's only room for one of those two teams, Texas goes in over Alabama and a one loss Alabama SEC champion is left out of the college football playoff, which causes total chaos. So you're saying the SEC in that case would be left out of the college playoffs where mm -hmm. I said we have an ISO camera on Greg Sankey to watch his head explode. I don't think, Mike, there's any way that happens. I mean, you've just been outvoted two to one. This is democracy on display here in the NFL playoff committee, and you have very just been real voted committee. wrong, good sir. Yeah, very, very real committee. Real Not committee a fake committee at voted. all. <laughs> this really isn't a great committee meeting because nothing has been catered. So I don't know if I can fully say that this is a committee meeting. It does insult the sensibilities. And that's every time I talk about Alabama, people say, well, it just doesn't make sense. And I agree. Like the thought of an SEC champion not being in the playoff feels weird. But if the committee is going to remain consistent to the way they're doing the job, I, I believe that Texas does that. And they can't care about the SEC more than they care about uh, the head-to-head -head matchup.
Would you be outraged? Would both of you be absolutely like outraged if Alabama went in over Texas or would it be like, oh, okay, you know, I could see possibly that happening or would you say it's I'd, completely I'd have ridiculous. a pretty big problem with it. I'd have a pretty big problem with it just on, on principle for what that stands for. And I understand this is all going – it's not like going to set a precedent that's dangerous right, going forward right. necessarily because we're going to get a 12-team playoff. But at the same time, 12-team playoff means we have more room for situations where you've got head-to-head victories that are going to come into account. And, Jason, yeah, for that to not mean anything, I think would be a pretty damning indictment of this whole thing that we're supposed to be doing, even if they say it's best and not most deserving because we've never seen that borne out in the results. What we have seen is what you can see jason fitz covering college football the nfl and all variety of sports over at yahoo sports listen to him on fox sports radio on the weekends as well jason thank you for convening with the committee once again thank you boys growing up playing sports i learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything that's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. NFL great Emmett Smith is a pro football Hall of Famer, a three-time Super Bowl champ, NFL MVP in 1993, and he is still the NFL's all-time leading rusher with 18,355 yards and an NFL record 164 rushing touchdowns. Senior was so excited to talk to Emmett Smith about their playing days, but alas, Kidney Stone struck again, so only Gojo had a chance to catch up with him. All right, excited to talk to Hall of Famer and Cowboys legend Emmett Smith. Kind enough to join us here on behalf of Narcan, and we'll certainly uh, get to talk about what you've got going on with them, Emmett. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, I feel like some of the biggest news in the world sports right now involves the Cowboys. And going back to your era, Jimmy Johnson finally getting the call up for the Cowboys Ring of Honor was such a huge story in sports. What did that mean for you, for guys on your team, to finally see that moment happen for him? For me, it's a moment of completion. Uh, when you think about um, the era which we're describing, uh, when the Cowboys began in 89, being 1-15 with Jimmy and, and Jerry just getting started uh, with the dream and the goal of just developing into a first-class organization, Jimmy was part of all of that. He was the foundation, along with Jerry Jones themselves, being the, the catalyst for all of the success that we were able to enjoy throughout those uh, 13 years that I played in the National Football League. And so to have guys like Michael, my Troy, Michael Troy, myself, uh, Darren Woodson, Larry Allen, and other players go in during that time and not to have our head coach there, uh, for me as a player, it was completely disappointing. And so to now bring, bring it full circle and bring closure to it all, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's it, it, it sends the right message, and I think it might be the one thing that lifts the cloud over the last 15, 20-some years of not being able to get deep into the playoff because I think the, the, the clouds and the stars and everything are starting to align just the right way 
because that's the, just the way it's supposed to be. Uh, when you mentioned that, you know, the current Cowboys team does seem to finally be hitting that mode here. How frustrating has it been as a former player, as someone who is so associated with this franchise, to see the struggles that have gone on for the last couple of decades? I think the most frustrating thing for me has been uh, seeing our teams have so much talent, but yet that talent has yet to gel together as a complete unit, offense, defense, as well as special team. And to have the mental fortitude or the mental toughness that's required to, to you know, to run the table, as we, we would say. Uh, December is a tough month. And to, 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 to get, go into the playoff, you want to win at least three, if not four, of the next three to four games. And so you want to go into the playoff on a high note. And, and, and I think that's what we're trying to do. And so far, over the last four weeks, or five weeks, if you will, our team has progressed tremendously. I think we've grown since the San Francisco 49er game. But have we grown to the level to where we're mentally ready and physically ready to go up against those teams when the energy requires it? We'll find out in the next couple of weeks when Philadelphia comes back here, that'll be our next test. And then from that point on, uh, not to say that Seattle is not a test, but every team is a test. But but when it comes down to physicality and and going up against the 49ers, we got to bring that energy. And, and I, that's what I'm looking for. No doubt. It's a measuring stick game and certainly has been for this era of the Cowboys. You mentioned the last few weeks and the improvement the Cowboys made. A lot of people pointing back to the quarterback, Dak Prescott, right now. Has this season and really this stretch of play for him changed your thought on his long-term outlook as the Cowboys quarterback? First of all, my long-term outlook with, with uh, about Dak Prescott has never changed. I still think Dak Prescott – is our quarterback and should be our quarterback until his time of retirement. Until we can find somebody much better to replace him with, we have to ride with a horse that's bringing us right to the dance right now, and that's Dak Prescott. So as far as I'm concerned, he is our guy, and he's going to be our guy for a long time. What stands out to you about the way that he's played this year, though, as he's getting MVP conversation now? Do you see even a different level or a different gear that he's found so far this year? You know, I... I I don't know if it's a gear or a level, but I think what is happening, I think, and, and, I, and I think this is where people fail to analyze the game from the right perspective. Uh, play selection has a lot to do with the success of any quarterback or any player. Uh, play development, uh, how things are packaged, how things are schemed, uh, what other things can you build off of certain packages that give the defense a certain look or a consistent look, but not knowing what's all in the package and when it's coming. To me, I think that's the difference between the way the 49ers beat us in, in, earlier in the season and the way that we're playing ball right now. I think McCarthy has expanded the offense a little bit. If you look over the last three to four weeks, the ball has been thrown to many multiple players and not trying to get it forced into C.D. Lamb here in third down and 25 type situations. The ball itself has been thrown around and we we are having um, possessions uh, and getting the ball in, in the right position in terms of yardage wise per down uh, to convert. Uh, early on, I don't think we was doing those things, but there are certain things that we still need to eliminate. Penalties, dumb mistakes, false starts and all those kind of things. Making sure that we get the the play in on time so we don't burn timeouts and things like that. When to go forward on fourth down and all those kind of things versus when to punt. The emotional aspect of the game when your team has had a long drive and now it's fourth and two or something like that, instead of rewarding them with the field goal, you want to go forward on fourth and two and run a risk of not getting any points out of it. So you keep the momentum up and the emotional aspect of the team intact and you lean on your defense which is pretty daggone good. Uh, looking back around the rest of the league, I mean, you spent so much time around this. You're someone who's known for his career longevity, and part of that is being able to withstand injury and battle back. What do you make of what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers right now? It just got announced the other day that he's been cleared to return to practice after the Achilles injury we saw early in the season. As someone who's seen a ton of football and been around a ton of football, are you a little bit stunned at what we're looking at right now? No, I'm not. 
And, and the reason why I'm not stunned is because I'm a realist and I understand that technology evolves and things get better over time. And what we're seeing and what we're witnessing is some of the things that are readily available to help enhance the recovery aspect of an athlete that can be utilized in general population as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the thing is, we have to be open and honest with ourselves in terms of what works and what does not work and what, ha and what he went through um, and what he's done and what the doctors have done. The reality of the fact is I'm proud of the simple fact that the man is able to bounce back. The question is um, how well he's able to transition now onto the football field and do the things that he used to be able to do. Uh, so I'm not shocked and I'm not surprised. I think uh, Tom Brady broke the mode by, by playing for 40, 400 years. And so when you have the ability to do things that others are not doing, uh, those are areas that needs to be studied. Emmett, we know you're here on behalf of Narcan. Uh, what can you tell us about what you're working on with them right now? Yeah, yeah. I've teamed up with Emergent uh, for the Ready to Rescue campaign to raise awareness on how we all can be prepared for opioid emergencies. The whole mission is to just spread awareness uh, reduce the stigma out there in the marketplace and let people know that opioid, open, opioid emergencies can occur at any point in time to anyone, anywhere. And by equipping yourself with the Narcan nasal spray, you can be ready for any type of opioid emergency. Oftentimes we think we can walk down the street, see somebody laying on the street, and it may be a homeless person, may just be somebody just laid out, could be needing a serious, serious help. Then to be equipped and to be ready to give them uh, the Norcan nasal spray, which doesn't hurt anyone and is readily available over, over the counter. So having it on hand can only help save a life and also help you just in case you might need it. Because with fentanyl running rampant around the country, around the world, killing people left and right, um, it, it's, it's nice to know that there's something out there that we can equip ourselves with just in case we need to have it uh, for an emergency. Now, that preparation is incredibly valuable. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Emmett, can't thank you enough for spreading awareness about that for your time here. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. No, you're welcome. And if you need more information around Norcan nasal spray, go to Norcan.com. You can get more information around opioid uh, overdose and opioid emergencies. Dad, I know you had to look on fondly remembering your kidney stone issues from yesterday as you watched Emmett Smith in that interview, but uh, did it bring back any jarring memories of him running past arm tackles through your guys' Eagles defense? So I hit him the hardest I think I ever hit anybody, right? And it goes to that when you make that comparison of like if you're boxing and you unload and hit the boxer, as uh, the, your opponent, as hard as you know you can possibly hit somebody, and they mm -hmm. just kind of shrug it off and look back at you, and you go, oh, damn. So they ran a wide play one play. And again, Emmett's the back I played against the most with my years in Philly and obviously his in Dallas. And they ran a wide play. <clears throat> it was toward the sideline. This, again, is back in the day when, you know, there were a lot less restrictive ways you could tackle somebody. And he's and so now this is all the way to the sideline, and I it took me that long to build up my full head of steam. But I was running as fast as I could to the sideline, and he was turning the corner. Mike, I I launched and unloaded my shoulder pad and helmet into the side of his shoulder and his face mask and the side of his head, and just blew him up out of bounds. He went flying out of bounds. I went flying out of bounds. And I, as I was hitting him, I, I literally, you know, you think of stuff in a split second on the field. I'm like, oh, my God, I destroyed him. And yep, I hit you know. the, he hits the ground, I hit the ground, and I look up, and he pops back up and just jogs right by me back to the huddle. I go, are you kidding me? I mean, I just gave him my best shot I've ever given anybody, and he barely flinched. He's one of the toughest guys I have ever tried to tackle, one of the hardest runners the way he would drop his shoulder. Uh, and I think, Mike, he's the all-time leading rusher at 18,355 yards. He passed Walter Payton, uh, who was second. The, the first current player that shows up is 39th. That's Derrick Henry with just over 9,000 yards. So still only halfway to Emmett. 
40th, as far as active players, is Zeke Elliott. Then you get down to 78th, Latavius Murray. 80 is Melvin Gordon. 81 is Nick Chubb. We, we talk every now and then in radio, we would do the, the record that's never going to be broken. It's always a fun radio kind of thing to do. I don't see his record ever being broken. The way the NFL is now, the way we've gone to more of two-back systems, where not one guy outside of like a Derrick Henry, there's still some, like a Derrick Henry who gets most of the carries, and just the way the game has changed, I think that record is safe for a long, long time, if not forever, Mike. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's getting touched. I, I think, uh, you know, between the shifts that we've seen in rules in the NFL, quarterbacks being a viable part of the rushing attack now that we've let players with different skill sets into that spot, I, I just think we would need to see such a tectonic shift back in what's allowed by defenses, offensive, like all that stuff would have to change in a way that I just don't see happening given what we've seen that position become. So I'm totally with you. Emmett's going to have that by himself for a long time, and that golden era is going to have their champion to hold up when men were men and rushing running backs were the glamour <laughs> position in the NFL. Yeah. So uh, uh, that is certainly going to be his forever and always. That story will be yours forever and always, too. And uh, here in the moment, we've got Thursday Night Football coming up. Jesse, big one. We talked about in the, co- the uh, very real NFL Playoff Rankings Committee uh, rankings. The Dallas Cowboys place in all of this. They got a good chance to send a message to us and the rest of the committee Thursday night. Yeah, Seahawks at Cowboys. Cowboys have won three straight. They are rolling right now. Seahawks, on the other hand, have lost three of four. And Dallas is undefeated at home. They are 5-0. and So, you guys did have a chance to talk to Seahawks linebacker Jordan Brooks on the matchup, get his impressions of Dak Prescott and this Dallas offense. I think he's been playing great. Um, and he's really been the, the bell cow for that offense. And so, you know, they feature a lot of guys, you know, at the receiver spot. Uh, they got a good run back there in a, in a, in a solid O-line. Overall, they have a, a, a nice look at offense. And uh, we got to come out prepared and come out ready to play these guys. You know, um, when you watch the tape, they throw the ball all over the place. Um, you know, like I said, they like to feature their, their receiver, 88. And so it's about staying on top, um, high, high lowing, tackling well, being where we need to be and playing sound, distant football. All right, guys, the Cowboys are entering, like, a tough stretch of their season. So they really need this game to be a statement win here, kind of, before they head into, I mean, a statement win against the Seahawks. But they just need to get the W before they head into this really tough stretch. Yep. Well, yeah, because beyond that is Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit. And, Dad, I guess that's the one thing you could point to here is maybe a danger is the look-ahead idea of, oh, if you do get caught peaking in this league where it's infinitely more damning because there are no slouches here. While Seattle struggled a little bit, and I saw Pete Carroll and the offense saying they want to try and get the ball out of Geno Smith's hands a little bit quicker. They're getting Abe Lucas, their right tackle back, who was lost really after the first game of the season, Mm -hmm. which is no doubt going to help some. But I just think this Cowboys team right now is in such a good rhythm offensively. And then defensively, Deron Bland, like, are we going to have defensive player of the year conversations? How much should a guy who's turned the ball over to that extent, sent the NFL record for single season pick sixes on Thanksgiving with that effort? Is that enough, Dad, in your mind, especially because we know turnovers are looked at a yeah. little bit differently as a defensive statistic? Is that enough to vault him into defensive player of the year in your mind? It should, yes, because there's one thing about turnovers, there's another thing of turning them into points all by yourself and to set the NFL record for pick sixes with five in a year. And, and oh, by the way, they still have a handful of games to go. I think his name squarely is going to be there. You know, a lot of times it's a guy with a lot of sacks, as we know, or interceptions, but he's, as we said, pick sixing. So, And it's not like a household name that we're used to talking about, so that might catch some people by surprise a little bit. But in the football world, I mean, listen, and, and remember it was Trayvon Diggs, you know, got hurt there you know, that helped give Bland more of an opportunity with Stefan Gilmore, who they have in that secondary as well. So um, it's it would be kind of a 
weird way of somebody stepping up that you didn't think would be that guy, but he should be without question. So we'll see how that finishes up. I look for, I actually look forward to next week. I'll be calling that, that in Dallas, calling the Philly-Dallas game. But it is a big game for them. Seattle sitting in the playoffs as we speak right now. You mentioned getting Abe Lucas back. Phil Hayes, their right guard, is out, though. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. the toe injury. It looks like the running back, Kenneth Walker, is doubtful for this one. And incredibly, we're in, what, week 13? The Dallas Cowboys basically have nobody injured. Everybody was practicing, which is amazing yeah. for this late in the season. So kudos to them on that. And some of that is luck, as we know, from the injury injury standpoint. But they're playing really well right now. Seattle slipping the last couple of games. It's been a while, what, 20 possessions since a touchdown. Uh, though before that, you know, Geno Smith had a monster game thrown for almost 370 yards against Washington, I think. So they're trying yeah. to get bring it back out after the two, the two losses uh, in a row and fighting for one of those last playoff spots. And we know Geno got banged up during that stretch, too. Like, that's certainly a part yeah. of it, even if it's an elbow contusion and not something internal. But I, I think you look for them. You mentioned so much of that production came against a Washington defense that now had to yeah. fire Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, because they've been so bad. You look six sacks in a four-game stretch, but three of them came against a Washington offense that's been giving them away like they're getting, you know, going on right. style and on sale at the end of the year. So I think some of Seattle's early succeeds success has given away to, in part, injury. We know they got banged up pretty early on, and that's – it's not a skill in this league, but it is the most important factor. And for Dallas, I think specifically, Dad, their offensive line in the last couple of seasons we've seen, especially with Tyron Smith, their left tackle, the splits with him on and off the field, how injured he's been. He looks good right now. That yeah. whole unit is playing high-level ball. Tyler Smith next to him is playing like an all-pro, if not a, just a future all-pro. And I think that unit being as solidified as it is against the Seattle defensive front is going to make it awful difficult for the Seahawks to get them in compromising positions where they can even be begin to try and tee off on Dak Prescott so look at what we kind of envision right as players have to play the game and obviously look at it on a week-to-week basis what I think a lot of people are doing is okay we think Dallas should be able to take care of Seattle then they have 10 days before their game against Philly and Philly I don't think it would shock a lot of people if they got beat by San Francisco And if that happens, now all of a sudden it's one game separating Dallas and Philly, them playing next week, and if Dallas gets that win, they're now even in the loss column and split for the regular season. So all of a sudden you start looking forward and it could get very, very interesting. The Dallas Cowboys, who we said at the beginning of the season, needed to be Super Bowl or bust, trending in the right direction, no doubt. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, guys, time to wrap up the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories. Send you off on into the rest of your day. As always, do the download, subscribe, rate, review thing. Seriously, we appreciate it. Five-star rating. Check us out Monday through Friday live here from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. But if you got to miss for whatever reason and you miss our great guests like Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports that helped us with the NFL playoff committee that is real and spectacular, and Emmett Smith, the pro football, college football, all-around Hall of Fame guy uh, and running back here that uh, took some time with us, check those out wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out right here after we get done live on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well guys let's get to this that in the third 
and started off yesterday. I don't know where you guys are on this. We had the Spotify wraps yesterday. We talked about that on the show relative to people sharing the podcast at the end of the year, but it collects your musical artists that you were most listened to, tells you who you were in the top percentage of listeners wise. And a lot of people go back and forth on this. Jesse, as someone who lives much more on social media than my dad is a little more like me in this. Do you like seeing people's Spotify raps? Because I see a lot of people like, I don't care about your rap. I kind of like it. I'm into your Spotify year-end raps. Uh, I'm kind of like middle of the ground, middle ground here. Like, I don't really care, but I don't have a problem with you sharing it. Like, I'm not going to like poo-poo it and be like, this is so lame. But I also think some people take a weird amount of pride in certain things. Like, they're like, I never took my AirPods out. I listened for 300 days straight. And you're like, okay. Or people take it as an opportunity to be like, my taste in music is better than yours. And you're just like, okay, cool. Thank you. Those are the people, Dad, that I would probably have the problem with is anyone who uses this as an opportunity to flex elitist musical taste. Yeah. Flex that or think it's their trophy on the mantle. But it is amazing seeing some of the numbers out there that these artists get that just is stunning to me it is and no one more so than taylor swift named spotify's global artist of 2023 um and would have been on my top spotify rap there's no doubt if i had spotify this is where every year everyone's always like oh mike what's your rap look like and i'm like I have no idea because I don't actually subscribe to Spotify. For some reason, it was one of the few places that I've drawn the line in terms of either streaming television or music services that I didn't want to add to the pile because I already had Apple Music. So I love Taylor Swift feigning like she was surprised that this happened. It's part of the charm. It's why at the beginning of every concert, she introduces herself and says, hi, I'm Taylor, because that's still some of the aw shuck stuff that you got to have in your game when you're relatable. When, when we play music in the house here, when I go to it, it has Spotify on there, so we must have it. I, I have no idea. And I don't know what these rap things are, so I, we I'm, gotta I'm out of this one. Wrapped. We got to find Seniors Wrapped. Oh, we need it's it. It's so much Gordon Lightfoot. And, well, no, it's Gordon Lightfoot and it's Darius Rucker. Because yeah, we tried to yeah. tell my dad the other day as he was playing a playlist, driving around in the car with me and my mom, we're like, Darius has to be dad's most streamed artist. And my dad's like, no, I have a very diverse playlist in here. I do. I've got tons of artists on this. And then the next three songs were Darius, not even Hootie I, songs. They were Darius Rucker I, solo songs. <clears throat> I have it on shuffle. I can't help where it shuffles, but I guarantee you I have more songs by other artists on there, I think. I haven't counted oh, it as very convincing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Friend. That's all that is. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good friend. friend who, who, by the way, Darius he's, Rucker. He's, he's pretty, pretty, pretty good singer, too, last I checked. So Hell yeah, enjoy. brother. No yeah. one. Yeah. No one's blaming you. We're just pointing out. Oh, you're mocking me. You're mocking me. You're mocking me. Well, no, not like I'm going to mock our next guy. Jesse, let's get to that. A.J. Brown decided to join Kyrie Irving amongst the flat earthers in sports in a way that it it should still be disappointing to us, even though apparently it's not. Yeah, I like don't understand what this is about. So he, you know, was asked, do you think the earth is flat? And he just he said have you ever seen a rocket take off? I- Do you believe the Earth is flat? No, I don't. You sure about that? Have you ever paid attention to a rocket when they take off? No. I want you to go look up a rocket taking off okay. and see the angle that, they, that it takes off at mm-hmm. and wonder why it never goes straight up in the air. Am I missing something about uh, rockets uh, no. taking off from the Earth? I don't even know if that makes sense from like because they do go straight up. I'm trying to. I'm trying to I don't think even of know what, what he's meant. even implying. Right, uh, but also he's like, and tell me why it doesn't go straight up. It does. Yeah, it does. Goes what? straight up. It goes straight, straight in the up. Air. And then and then goes on an angle, but it takes off straight and then goes on. I, I would have pressed him and said, "What do you mean? What? Yes, I've seen a rocket take off. Explain to me what you mean." Yes. I, so I, my I my big question for flat earthers is who is gaining anything? by having this conspiracy like what is the gain for every for the government trying to convince us that the earth is round if it's not hey man think about what's on the other side that they don't want you to see that underneath earth that's where it's really popping off (laughs) apparently that's like what somebody i was i said this earlier and uh one of our producers was like maybe it's the globe people the people that make globes 
They got to keep <laughs> going. You got to keep big globes spinning, baby. Yeah. Those wheels don't turn all by themselves. I will say the best part about being a like part-time conspiracy theorist, because I don't know how A.J. Brown gets down. I've often maintained, and this kind of got co-opted when Aaron Rodgers has taken it a little bit too far in certain areas, but every locker room's got a conspiracy theorist guy. Like, it's a yeah. tried-and-true portion of every locker room experience, and with most, the best part about being the conspiracy theory guys, you don't actually have to know what you're talking about. You just have no. to say, hey, you should probably look into that. Are you really going to believe what everything that they tell you? And all you have to do is imply and sow seeds of doubt and not actually back up anything with any meaningful yeah. amount of research or information. It's like a philosophy class. You don't, there's no right answer, right? It's, it's philosophical. You know, I mean, I what feel direction like you're going. there is a right answer, and it's that the earth is round. Well, yeah, yeah no, I mean, here it, there's it, definitely it, a right answer. Yeah, yes, is, I mean, next he's going to say. Prove it. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no scientist, but like, that's the other thing too, that I just love in this day and age of the internet where people, you know, Google things and are like, I'm a doctor. Like, j okay, we can Google it. And just cause a bunch of people in a Reddit subgroup yeah. said that the earth is flat. We're like, you should do some research on that in the Reddit subgroup. What, what, what's our yeah. biggest conspiracy theory out there? Is it the earth is flat? Is it there were no dinosaurs? I mean, again, moon things landing. you can normally JFK, to be a popular one. JFK assassination Moon landing, theories. right. Yeah. 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 There's a That's lot. That's true. Guys, let's go from philosophy and conspiracy theories to good old-fashioned economics here for the third. Uh, the New Heights podcast featuring Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey had a surprise guest yesterday in Cleveland native and rapper Machine Gun Kelly who made a very interesting offer, Jesse, to one Travis Kelsey for his services. Yeah, he offered him $500,000 to play for the Browns, which shows a shocking lack of awareness about how much Travis Kelsey makes if he thinks that that is going to sway him. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got my dog, Kels. Kels calling me right now. He called Kels. in for a request last week. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, MGK. Kels, what's good, dog? You're live, brother. What up? Hey, Jason, can I, can I talk to your brother really quick? Do your thing. What you got for me, Kels? All right, look. I will give you $500,000 cash upon arrival, as well as matching that same amount as a donation to both of our high schools, both Shaker Heights and Cleveland Heights, <laughs> as well as everyday breakfast and coffee delivery from my restaurant oh my gosh if you would just come home and put on these colors right here and <laughs> you know that was the original dream dog you know that was the dream come home put these colors on and rock the city <laughs> uh, I, what that, now I, I, I didn't hear the whole interview but at any point, did Jason or somebody say, hey, Machine Gun, do you know what he makes? I mean, he signed a four-year, over $57 million contract. Do you know what you're doing here? You better come to the table with a hell of a lot more cash than that. I do just love my dad referring to him as first name Machine Gun. Hey, uh, Machine, Gun, Machine Gun, whatever. Did I read Mach online that he's dropping the Gun Kelly? He's just going to be Machine. Machine? Machine Kelly, yes. No, just he's Machine. Machine Kelly now. Oh, oh, it's just, oh no, just, just machine. machine. He's just one word. He's like Madonna now. It's just Machine. Ki Mike, kind of like you. You're just Gojo. Apparently, I mean, he should go by Dr. Evil because he had that lowball one million dollars that he thought was going to move the needle for Travis Kelsey, who does a phenomenal wow. job code switching in his various conversations. We hope you enjoyed all the conversations on this show. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Thanks so much. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.